0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: It's time for the BallQuest mailbag podcast, answering your questions from the General's quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Ball Quest Snowbag Podcast. And I'm Eric Kane, alongside Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hobbs. Uh, big show coming up today, and it's brought to you, as always, by our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. If you need a roof, if you need siding, windows, or a garage, you can contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They've been local, they've been trusted since 1999. That free estimate by picking up the phone, giving them a call today at 865 524 5888, or visiting them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com so much getting into today brent hubs we've got basketball questions we've got investigation questions we've got recruiting questions we got football questions we got baseball questions uh there's truly not a better time than to be over com and to see all of our coverage than right now in the month of february
2: yeah we got a crossover month going on baseball getting started obviously uh, basketball with a ton to play for football starts on uh, march the 18th and um Who knows what else comes up this month. It's supposed to be a slow month, but there's nothing slow about uh, Tennessee athletics, that's for sure. Um, So it's a great time to check us out. It's a great time to interact with us and visit with us. You will not be disappointed. So um, keep listening to this. Keep subscribing. Be a part of the the podcast, but also join us over at ballquest.com.
1: Alright, we'll jump in with a couple here from Athron. First, do you think the hiring of Coach William Inge will help with Polynesian kids moving forward, giving his West Coast experience, Austin?
3: I mean, I think it, it sure doesn't hurt. I mean, I guess there's potential there, um, but I would not say just because, you know, you know, Coach Inge is here that all of a sudden Tennessee is going to be a major player for, you know, half a dozen, you know, Polynesian kids. So, you know, again, I don't think it hurts. Um, you know, and, and I think it can help, but again, I don't think that it means that Tennessee's, you know, all of a sudden become this Polynesian pipeline. I know we 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 said that with Jackson Moy and Nico and 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 you know some other guys, but you know, and Keenan Peely. But uh, you know, again, I don't think it's you're gonna look up and have half your roster as, as Polynesian kids. I'm gonna be fascinated
2: to see just how the West Coast in general, how recruiting on the West Coast in general goes, Rob. With the disintegration of the Pac-12, and now you got schools traveling all over the country. I mean, like if you if you went to Cal previously, I mean, your parents could watch you play in the state of California four or five times. Now they've got to come watch you play in the ACC. I mean, hey, we got to get that Cal Berkeley to Raleigh travel plan together, you know, uh, on a, on a somewhat regular basis. And then you got the you know Oregon and Washington and those schools heading to to the Big Ten. I'm curious to see kind of where. California families are in the recruiting process in terms of what staying on the West coast means now compared to what it meant, you know, five, 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what's happened Pac-12 was awful. I mean, and not, not really so much in football. I mean, it was a long road trip from, you know, USC to Washington or USC to Utah, but I mean, and we thought, I don't want to get sidetracked on it, but what's going to happen in like the secondary sports is ludicrous. Yep. I mean, soft, you know, softball. You know, Arizona going, or not Arizona going to the Big Twelve, but or- Oregon going to Rutgers to play, You know, to 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 run track is is stupid. I mean, and I, I'll be I'll be surprised that that kind of stuff doesn't get walked back.
3: I wonder, Rob, are they going to be like because of the academic side of things? Do they do they do this in one big like you know like when when UCLA goes east when the, when those secondary sports go east. Do they go? Are they gone? Like when the you know Barnum and Bailey would go to the United Center back in the '90s, and the Bulls would be gone on their West Coast road trip for two weeks or whatever. Like you know, what I mean, like do you when you go? Do you go for you know three or four games at a time, and not just for one, and then back, and then back, and then yeah. back? You know I
0: mean, I mean, I mean, I AP, mean, you got. I mean, again, we're going down a rabbit hole. In a UT podcast <laughs> something it doesn't but You've got two daughters. I mean, if you if they go to college and they happen to play softball, I mean, you want them to go for two weeks to play, you know, Rutgers, Maryland, Ohio State, you know, Penn State, and and, and miss two weeks of classes and have a tutor in a conference room at a hotel? Again, again, we're getting you know, off off in the weeds, but I just think that that the Pac-12, Big Ten stuff is is stupid. I mean, when if you really yeah, when, once you get outside of football,
1: does the hiring of Darrell Sims open any doors with recruits? AP, uh,
3: I don't know if it opens any doors with any particular recruits in twenty five. I think he'll do just fine in recruiting. Um, having talked to Coach Sims, uh, I think he's a relationship builder. Um, I, I think he's some a, someone that kids will will really enjoy getting to know, will gravitate towards. Uh, he's got energy. Um, you know, uh, he you know, Like I said, when Hubs and I were breaking down when they hired him. He wears his faith on his sleeve. He's a guy that I think, you know, when he tells you something, you can take it to the bank. And so, I, again, I think that all that will relate well on the on the recruiting trail.
1: How bad was the damage that needed to be cleaned up for Deshaun Bishop in his procedure? Uh, I think anybody he know. Be. Say what? Sorry, he should be fine. And then, Rob, will Zakai Ziegler get a chance in the league when he's done at UT, or is height going to kill his chances? We get a chance.
0: I mean, he's going to be an all-SEC point guard two, maybe three years. Yeah, I mean, he'll get a shot. I mean, somebody, G League, Summer League. I mean, yeah, he'll get, he'll get every opportunity in the world.
1: Let's go to Pine here. With the new 5-plus-7 playoff format, what is a reasonable expectation for Tennessee getting in the playoffs in the next 10-year window, Brent?
2: I mean, I you know, there's so many variables into that. But I, obviously, it's... I mean, you expect it to be in the playoff uh, in, in in a decade time with where you're at right now and in, in the new format saying um, you're going to take the, the next, you know, the seven highest ranked teams in the playoff standings uh, after the conference champion. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would expect that you would think you could be, I don't want to say a mainstay, like you're going to be there every year or you're going to be there 80 percent of the time or whatever, but. It it shouldn't be a one off that you make the playoff in a ten year window. I, I I think that's I think it better be better. It should be better than that with where Tennessee's at right now. Their investment in the football, um, you know, and and where Tennessee's NIL program is, and and everything else. I mean, I, I think this should be a competitive team in this league year in and year out. And if you are a competitive team in this league year in and year out, then you are going to have a chance to make a playoff
1: we'll go to Sam Smith 2233 AM manhandled Tennessee on the glass and college Station and their bigger guards bullied Tennessee what do we see Tennessee do to change that on Saturday night
0: I mean I I think that that's way over the top I mean Tennessee but Tennessee had a bad bad night but I mean Texas AM I mean they bullied you know people all year long I mean they, they've lost three games in a row including one to Vanderbilt I mean I think you'll see Tennessee play better defense than they did at Texas AM, Keep the ball in front of them uh, better than they did at Texas AM. and I mean, I'll, I'll be really surprised if Tennessee doesn't win that game handedly.
2: Well, a- A&M's strength is on the glass. I mean, they're, they're the best – I mean, they're one of the best rebounding teams. They're going to rebound the basketball. And Garcia
0: is the be- is the best rebounder in the country.
2: Right. I mean, they're, they're legit there. So so the question, Rob, is to, because of the guards and what they did – and obviously Tennessee is going to have a counter and they'll play better – all those things. Do we see the Jonas Adu, Tobey Awaka, Awaka, oh, yeah. you know, on the floor at the same time against AM? Is that doable in that matchup? You think that matchup favors that type of lineup or no?
0: I, honestly, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on on the the pod after the game at Missouri. However, I, honestly, I mean, this is just me, and I could be wrong. Talking about it, you know, three days before the game, I think that's more about Josiah than. The matchup. I mean, I, I think if, if Coach, if Rick's loving Josiah, then I, I think he stays with with the normal look. I mean, Josiah only played six minutes in the second half at Missouri, and I mean, I think part of that's matchup. But I mean, Josiah averages six seven rebounds a game. It's not like he can't handle his business on the glass in the SEC. So I mean, I, you know, Toby's a better rebounder, no no question. But it's not like you're taking out, you know, a six two. You know, guard and, and putting Tobey in. I mean, I'm I really, I mean, I'm not trying to be critical of Josiah, but I mean, I, I think a lot of that Tuesday night at Missouri was was about Josiah as a, more than just let's go big. I mean, because it's, again, it's not like you're taking out, you know, a 6'2 guy, but I mean, you're taking out a 6'6, 210, 215 pound forward. So, I mean, I they look I, good though. <laughs> it, it would look great. I mean, it looked fantastic. But I mean, Tobey Tope is, is going to do that if you give Tobey minutes. But you're not gonna, you're not, you're not gonna run as much, and so, I, I honestly, again, I said it, I've said it three times now. I think that's a Josiah thing more, more than it is a matchup thing, and I, I think Rick didn't want to play Josiah Tuesday night at Missouri.
1: This one's for me. Um, Kane, do you think Aaron Combs has what it takes to be stretched out and be a long guy in the pull pin? Or is he going to be a three-to-six-out guy? Also very impressed with little Humley on Tuesday. Do you think we see him get some run on the weekends? Um, I looked at the timestamp of this one from Sam Smith, and this was before the Tuesday game. So was your strategy, if he didn't do well, to go back and delete that part? Because <laughs> you posted this before uh, Austin Humley pitched. Um, as far as Humley, we'll see. I mean, he was never in the bullpen Never in my thought process for the Tennessee bullpen on weekends. Um, first appearance was last night, and he looked really good. So um, he'll continue to get some opportunities and maybe some on the weekend and some of these blowouts, um, you know, against some non-conference foes. But we'll see. He was not even in my thought process before last night, but he looked good. As far as Aaron Combs, um, yeah, I would say six to – I bet he could go nine. I mean, it was was the first appearance of the season. I do think he kind of ran out of gas. I don't think that means that he can't go three innings strong if they needed him to. He was wanting to start this year, and Tennessee never really entertained that. But I I think he's good anywhere from three to nine. Um, I wouldn't go past nine, maybe three to eight. Um, But Aaron Combs looked really good on Saturday before he ran out of gas. Unfortunately, he ran out of gas, but I thought he looked really, really good in that matchup. And he's going to be a guy that Tennessee counts on. We'll go to uh golf nut 1941. Awesome, this one's all you, my man. Do all players on the football team have an NIL deal, or is this only for a select few? And if you know, how much do starting offensive linemen get versus defensive linemen versus defensive backs? How about receivers, running backs, and linebackers? Any idea, just a range if you know?
3: Uh, no, not everybody gets paid. Uh it's more than just a select few. You know, I, I think, you know, when when you look at kind of how it, you know, it's sprinkled out from a money standpoint you know, at the end of the day, much like the NFL hover, it's going to be quarterback, the guys that protect the quarterback, and the guys that can get to the quarterback. Those guys are going to command more money than others, you know, and, and, and a lot of that is because they're going to make more plays and they're going to be able to, you know, be a little more marketable out there if we want to put this uh, in, in a marketing, put a, put a you know spot on the marketing side of things and not just the, you know, hey, they play here, let's give them an NIO money. Um and so like yeah i mean you know there are players at probably every position that make a, a nice chunk of money and there are backups that don't make as much but still get paid so um you know again i think each situation is different
2: yeah and i you know i think the the most valuable players on your team you know or the are the guys who are in position to to also make the the most money right i mean like right. your but your better players are going to make the most money now there, there are also some positions that aren't going to command as much money. We've talked about this. Guard, offensive guards are, are generally not going to be, you know, make as much money as offensive tackles make. Now, there's exceptions to every rule, and all those things come into play. There's no absolutes. But when you look at it, there are certain positions, as Austin mentioned, Eric, that just command more money because of their value to the game and, and their impact on the game. It's not to say those other positions don't count, but, you know, it's it's very much like the NFL model in terms of where the position values are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it any better myself. It's the quarterback, the guy that protects the quarterback on the edge, and the guy that gets after the quarterback. Also, sometimes you'll see, and you see this in NFL free agency as well, like big-time receivers that go make plays. Well, last couple years, Tennessee's had a need at wide receiver. So you're willing to go, and like Tennessee had a, a need at tight end, receiver, offensive tackle maybe you're willing to go and and pay more to get that guy on your roster compared to maybe a normal year. And so I think you'll, you know, you've seen that, and you'll continue to see that in, in the transfer portal window. Um, let's go to Brandon underscore SV. Was Coach Inge going to be strictly a linebacker's coach at Alabama after being co-DC under Deport at Washington? Uh, what do you think the attraction is to Tennessee if there isn't a promotion?
3: You know, I think, none of us will ever know what he was actually promised at Alabama or the thought process was there. Uh, in my opinion, Hubs, he was probably going as an outside linebackers coach um, because Kane Womack coaches the inside backers and Kane Womack is the defense coordinator. I don't believe he was going to get a title at Alabama. And so thus, you know, I don't know what his title is going to be here as of this taping on Wednesday. They've not released that. Um, you know, so I think a lot of it, you know, we'll see what happens, what it comes out with maybe he gets title, maybe he doesn't, but, I think ultimately, um, you know, the ability to have to coach outside backers versus inside backers, probably the lack of a title that he had at Washington that he wasn't going to have at Alabama more than likely uh, probably lends itself there. But again, nobody truly knows.
1: Another one here from Brandon. You've uh, referred to Banks as needing a right-hand man after losing Brian Jean-Marie. Does that mean, uh, does that speak to the lack of comfort, trust between Banks, Eckler, Garner, and Martinez?
2: I don't think it speaks to a lack of trust. I, I think that it's just you, you have guys that you that that tie things together, right? So so Banks has got the safeties and, and he's tying the, the, the pass defense, he's he's tying the safeties and the back end of the defense into the run game, and, and you wanna you wanna tie all of that together. And I think Brian Jean Marie's a guy who helped Tim Banks tie it together greatly. That doesn't mean Rodney Garner can't. Rodney Garner's a thirty year veteran of coaching defensive line. Who's never been a linebackers coach? He's never been a code defensive coordinator. He is a technician coaching defensive lineman, um, and, and that's that's where he is. And Willie Martinez has been a coordinator, but he's a back end guy, right? I mean, so so I think it's more of a right hand guy who can help you in the front seven, tie things in, you know, to the back end, eyes on the field, big picture type stuff. I think that's some of the things that Brian Jean Marie did. Um, for for Tim Banks, and I think that's why this was Tim Banks's hire, and, and it was an important hire for him. Well,
3: and, and to that point, BJ was the the uh, loan hire by Tim Banks the first time around. You know, I mean, you go back to the first you know first set. I mean, Eckler, you know, hype did that. You know, Rodney was already here. Willie was already here. I mean, you know, BJ was Tim's hire, and so like I think it was important for for Tim to have a huge say in you know who they brought in this time around as well.
1: I mean, to put it in simple terms, based, you know, going off what Brent was saying, I mean, a linebacker plays the run, a linebacker plays the pass, a linebacker plays in the middle of the defense, a linebacker calls the defense. A lot of times your linebacker is your defensive captain. I mean, it doesn't mean that the other assistant coaches that coach in the back or the front end are capable of being a right-hand man or a co-DC. It's just it's the nature of the position. And so, um, yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. And,
3: and, and, and B.J. did a fantastic job with not just the linebackers, it really the entire team you know as far as like a lot of those players on that team gravitated towards him you know he was you know universally respected in that building of offense defense didn't matter what position you played.
1: all right we got a couple more questions we're going to get into here today on this thursday edition of the ball quest a Milbad podcast but first a word from our friends over at exterior home solutions it's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids hey dad a tree fell on my house Well, we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here. And the first call that I made was to Exterior Home Solutions. The peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here, and came up with a plan, got us connected with the right people, is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use. In that time of need, Exterior Home Solutions. AP, I heard we're getting some new exterior home solutions commercials. Can't wait to see them, but I, I'm going to miss hubs on the roof, man. I mean, I, I don't understand. We don't have why to retire
3: we're pretty- it. It's, it's, it's evergreen. We just don't have to put it in rotation as much.
1: We don't have to retire oh. it. And we don't have to
3: retire my point either. <laughs>
1: can't can't lose your point. I mean, it, it's really, it's, it's very Uncle Sam-ish of you. <laughs> um, exterior home solutions for yes, we give them a call today. 865-524-5888. I really do appreciate all the hard work that exterior home solutions does for you and for us here on the ball quest podcast. Uh, Let's continue on here with Nashville. Six one five. Where would you rank Tennessee's assistant coaching staff in the sec? Kind of a hard question because there's so many teams, but I mean, middle of the pack back of the pack whereabouts would you think the Tennessee's coaching staff outside of your head coach kind of ranks?
2: I mean, I haven't sat down and looked at everybody. I mean, Tennessee's obviously had stability. You look at the stats and where they've been offensively, it's hard to say that their offensive staff is not one of the, you know, one of the better offensive staffs in the country, even though they took a step back last year. Now, you look pretty good depending on how you guys play, right? If you get if you get much right. important quarterback play, suddenly Joey Halsley looks like he's, he's the genius again, right? Whereas it was – how much they miss Alex Golish and and this that and the other and I do think they miss Golish but part of it is about what you what you're playing with and, and what kind of success you have with those guys I I think this staff is plenty capable of being a playoff staff who could make a run you know at a championship and league and 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 all those types of things now you bring in two new guys we'll see how they all mix and marry together and um, you've had more turnover Austin than you probably anticipated having so you got some some adjustments there. We'll see how this staff adjusts to that because that's always a factor and something that always plays into it.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, you've had, you know, obviously two guys leave, one went for a, a lateral move at Michigan, one went to the NFL. Um, you know, you had also two others that, you know, SEC rivals that you compete against on the recruiting trail, that you compete against on the field, tried to go and hire away from you and Rodney Garner and Kelsey Pope. So I mean, you know, I think that just Speaks to you know the quality of the staff. I think it also speaks to the fact that you know Josh Heifel's had it nice the first few years because he hadn't had a whole lot of people coming after his guys. Um, and all of a sudden now you know he feels like he's dodging bullets. You know he's 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 you know moving that head left and right trying to, to trying to you know keep from you know getting hit. So uh, I think it's just the nature of an off season uh, that you know really he hadn't had to have to this point. Yeah. And I think you also factor in
2: bringing in two new teams into the league. I mean, where Texas is at right now, I mean, I think they vault right near the top of the SEC with what they have going on and, and where their program is. You know, I don't know what Oklahoma is going to be in their adjustment into this league. Um, you got some other coaches who, you know, I mean, Levy's just getting started at, at Mississippi State. Billy Napier looks like he's in trouble at Florida, right? Um, so, I mean, I, it's fluid, it changes all the time. And, and again, a lot of it depends on what 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 you what you have to play with. Uh, you know, um, you could argue Tennessee's best coaching job was year one. Okay, um, in some cases, you could argue that they that they did a really good job last year to get to the record that they had. That's not what fans want to hear, you know. But it, it was probably a little easier in twenty two, right? When, when you had the, the thing, the toys you had to play with on the offensive side of the ball. That's why you were the you know best offense in the country doesn't mean you necessarily coach better. It just means you you had more toys in the garage to be successful with.
1: Jimmy's and Joe's do make a difference. Um, I think that is something we, if you didn't believe that before, you definitely learned it this past year. Another one here from Nashville 615. Which three recruits does Tennessee need to land in 2025 to ensure a top 10 recruiting class?
3: <laughs> I love these. Um you know, I mean, I think you've got to have some combination on the offensive line. Sure, David Sanders would definitely put you in that mix, right? Um, uh, but if you if you don't, let's say you don't land David Sanders, then you've got to land a uh, Jalen Matthews or a Juan Gaston. You, you've got to land some combination of guys on the offensive line, and you've got to land, you know, Cam Sparks. Tennessee continues to be in a really good spot there. Darius Jackson, he's going to go flying up the the rankings, in my opinion, over the the course of the you know the next several rankings uh, um, you know unveils, and so. Um, I think it just boils down to, you know, taking care of guys that you know you're in a pretty good spot with, whether that's some of these linemen, some of these in-state kids, you know, and then try to cherry pick in a a Marcus Harris from Modern Day or a Caleb Cunningham from Mississippi or, you know, uh, the linebacker, uh, you know, Jaden Harmon from North Georgia from Rome plays for former alcohol coach John Reed. You know, you've got to, you know, in your footprint and then cherry pick outside of it.
1: Let's go to Reltney for life. How active do you see Tennessee uh, going in the portal for help this offseason? What would the positions of need be? Rob, I feel like Tennessee is always going to be active in the transfer portal because if you're not active in the transfer portal in this climate in college football, you're getting left behind. Um, Line of scrimmage for sure. You're losing defensive linemen. Um, You're losing some offensive linemen. I would say line of scrimmage. And then, um, you know, I mean, Tennessee's – there's a secondary guy out there available. I mean, if there's a – we're talking, a spring? we're talking about playmaker out there available. We're
0: talking about after spring practice.
1: I mean, I no, was, I, I, would, I would imagine the way I read it was next offseason. Oh, golly! I mean, uh, oh, no, you, no, no, it says this offseason. Excuse no, I, me, I, this offseason.
2: I mean, if it's next offseason, I got uh, yeah, no idea. How, how do you I
0: know?
1: Mean, I
2: have,
3: have, have no idea what and, any and, of these guys look like. If it's spring, I think you have to wait till after spring.
0: I was gonna say, but I mean, we don't, I mean, you hope, you hope you're not looking for a receiver after spring practice. I mean, you really hope you, I mean, you have room. That's what I'm saying. I mean, but I mean, I mean, if you if you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for guys after spring practice, at this point, and you know, going into year four, then you know, you've probably had some bad, you know, not horrible stuff happen, but I mean, I don't think there's any glaring holes going to, going into spring, is there?
1: Like going right. into 2021 season, Brent. Like I felt like Tennessee took three or four guys post spring, but but you had to, right? Because where you were on the roster, where, like Rob's saying. You're not going to be in a position to probably do that this go around.
2: Here's where I am in spring evaluations. If your program is established and got firm footing, if there's a great player out there that you think can make a difference for you that, and you've got a spot and you want to go recruit, you know, you want to go look at that guy. That's fine. If you're sitting here at the end of spring going, Hey, we've got to have six or eight more guys, then you got, you got bigger things to worry about. I don't think that's what Tennessee is. Now, I mean, who knows? I mean, Austin, I mean, if you have one position that has two or three guys leave you at the end of spring practice for some reason, does that change things? I mean, potentially. I mean, I just think you have to wait and see what this thing looks like next month before you know if you, if you you what kind of needs you have versus just wish lists. Hey, if
3: this guy came available, would you kick the tires there? Okay, maybe, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, like running back. Like right now I would tell you they're not going to add a running back. But Peyton Lewis isn't going to go through spring practice. So you don't know what you have in him. And, you know, if Khalifa Keith, you know, or or whoever takes a step back and all of a sudden you go, you know, we're not really deep there and we don't know what we have in Peyton Lewis. We think he's good, but we don't know because he, he missed. They may be forced to go add somebody. But I'm with Hubs. Like if you don't have to add somebody, don't do it. Because normally these after spring ads or summer ads are just, they never pan out. Um, the only one I can think of that's panned out really, really well, um, you know, is is Kamal Haddon. Um, technically, Brew arrived after spring, but I don't count him. He, he went in the portal, you know, in December or whatever it was. And, 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 and you, he, you recorded that commitment update in J- January. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, Kamal <laughs> Haddon went to Auburn for, for spring and then ended up going back in the portal and leaving again um, and, and coming to Tennessee. I thought that was, you know that was a nice addition. Uh outside of that, it's been a lot of swing and a miss when you add
0: yeah, these but, kids. But, as- but, yeah, if you're going into spring if you're going into spring practice with needs in the portal, then you know you're not thinking about the college football playoff.
1: What changes, if any, has UT made with NIL and the seeming changes NCAA is attempting to implement? Changes changing as the the rules as you go. Um what changes? How is Tennessee adapted to the NIL climate? I guess is a good way to phrase it. AP, I, I still don't understand the question. Like, what changes, if uh, any, has, has UT made with NIL and the seeming changes the NCAA is attempting to implement? Is,
2: is Tennessee's is Spire's work any different now than it was a year ago no. in terms of
3: how they're going about business? Nope. I mean, it's, it's no different. I mean, like the same. I mean, like they're you know they attack it the same way, just like every other you know collective out there. You know, so I mean I you know, I mean it's nothing's nothing's changed a whole lot. I mean, has it changed since twenty twenty one when it first got, you know, stuff when, when NIL went into effect? Yeah, I mean they've 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 altered, you know, how they do some things, but you know, I don't think that the overall process has changed a whole lot, especially in the last year, year and a half.
1: I don't know if anybody even wants to attempt this one, but volume shooter says with the new coaches officially locked in power rank the positional coaches according to their importance to the program. No.
2: Well, I mean, I think you start with, you start with coordinators because both your coordinators are coaching positions. Okay. I mean, so I I think Tim banks is important to the defense because they have established an identity on defense, which nobody knew what their identity was going to be when they've gotten here. And and so they've gotten better every year with that identity. So if you, I mean, he went on to say, you know, in my mind, that means the importance of continuity at their position Coach's ability to motivate, teach, coach's ability to recruit, ability to game plan, contribute, and other staff duties. Started with def- you know, start with Tim Banks because everything that happens defensively from a game plan standpoint stems out of his system. So, I mean, you're going to put your coordinators at a higher – on defense, you're going to put your coordinators at a higher place, not necessarily on offense because it's Josh Heupel's system as the head coach. But defensively, I think you know the foundation of who you are is, is what Tim Banks is, has built and
1: created. So under that logic he goes on to say who would it hurt to lose the most It'd be Tim Banks. To me it would be because yeah.
2: now I'm not saying you can't get better or you couldn't end up being better but Austin if you if you scrap what you're doing defensively and put in a new defensive system there's going to be a step back before you grow because it just I mean you've recruited for multiple years to this style of play and so from that standpoint to me a coordinator is always going to be particularly a coordinator who is opposite of the head coach's expertise is going to be the of of
3: the of the extreme value. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I think that that's you know, while there has been a little bit of change the last few years, you know, um, the continuity is is you know the fact that you have Josh Heupel's offense and Tim Banks' defense, and those two figureheads have been there the entire the entire time. And so, like you can you can lose uh, you know you know a Cody Burns and put in a Kelsey Pope, and it does not change a whole lot you can lose a Jerry Mack and bring in Darrell Sims or whoever right and and it and it, ultimately it doesn't shift it drastically personality might maybe changes in the room specific but uh I think Hubs hits the nail on the head I would start with Tim Banks that doesn't diminish Joey Halsley because I do think what he's done with the quarterback position has been really really impressive um and and then you know we'll see what happens as he goes into year two I said the whole time if you had Gullish calling plays with Joe and H- Halsley calling plays with Hendon how does it look? Nobody knows. Nobody knows how it would have looked if we'd have flipped this a year ago. So, like, w- let's see what happens when, you know, when Joey's calling place for Nico.
1: Another question here from Volume Shooter. Um, if the Vol- Is the Vol's biggest baseball weakness starting pitching behind Russell and Beam? If Seacrest doesn't work out, who does Vitello hand the ball to on Sundays next? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that's the biggest weakness right now. I mean, your four game- at the time of this recording, you're four games into the season, so it's very small sample size. Uh, Tennessee, again, needs to hit better with runners on base, and it's been a little bit inconsistent on the offensive end through four games. But um, for the most part, I mean, you, you like what you have on Friday nights. You know what you got on Saturday nights with with um, with Drew Beam, and, and the question is Sunday. Now, the way this week plays out with the other midweek game, we'll see. I mean, long term, I think Matthew Dallas slash Derek Schaefer, one of those freshmen, are going to be your Sunday starter. Um, in the immediate Considering Schaefer started yesterday, and I believe that Matthew Dallas will start this w- this Wednesday game as we record this before the game. Um, you know, If you don't go with Xander, maybe, maybe Nate Snead gets that start, or maybe they just go straight bullpen. I don't have the answer to that right now. Hopefully I do p- before the war room. But And also, it wouldn't shock me whatsoever if Xander Sequeira gets another start. I mean, you're playing Albany this weekend. They won nine games last year. Um, so it wouldn't shock me whatsoever if Xander gets another start this weekend. But long term, I don't believe it's going to be Xander, and I think... Starting wise, it's going to be one of those freshmen, but AJ Cosby can start. You don't want him to, but he can. Nate Sneak and start and um you got some options. Do we
3: not think this is a bit of a knee jerk from the general scorers, which is no shock whatsoever? I mean, like I mean, like he started one game. I mean, like, it's not like we're a month into the season, he's got four or five starts and and, and he's struggled, right? I mean, he played one game. It's like it's like my wife going to a restaurant and she didn't like her food, and then we never go back again. Maybe the the cook was off that night, right? Like, you know, what I mean, like, what what are we doing here? Like, I mean, like, it's one game.
1: The the biggest thing.
3: Year, tell me if I'm wrong, Kane. Like, I would gladly eat it if I'm wrong. But it was one game. I know he pitched really? last year in in the midweek games, but it's one game?
1: No, no, I hear you. I mean, I, I I completely hear you. I mean, it's one start. I mean, he he pitched 45 pitches. Um, again, I think long term he's not the guy. But you're right. It's one game. It's not like they're just going to give up on him and. I just, I think, you know, with pitching, with hitting and everything, I mean, Blake Burke was a topic of conversation uh, over opening weekend, big time. I mean, baseball is such a marathon. I mean, Mike Trout, the greatest player in the world, is going to go through an over 10 stretch where he strikes out six times. That happens. I mean, it's it's a marathon with anything. So, I mean, I, I agree with you, AP. Um, let's go to Dalval 5. Do you think there's an appetite for the league to fix the timing of the SEC basketball and baseball tournaments, even if it's just to move it up a day or two?
0: I mean, I just don't. I mean, people. I want to talk, Hummer, I, I don't think it matters. I mean, that much, do you? I mean, I mean, I could be. I mean, I. I just moving the SEC tournament championship game up 24 hours is not going to have some dramatic impact on
1: the NCAA tournament. Well, it's not SEC... going to do anything but help, though. Can we agree with that? It might not help yeah, I mean, a lot, so, but it's so, it's not going to so hurt you.
0: Minimal. So, I mean, it's going to be like you set your alarm five minutes early, Eric. Now that, that's, it's, that's uh, what that's that it's, 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 it's just it's just it's, it's a big nothing burger. To I, me.
3: I think what it does, Rob, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. I think what it does for the specific tournament, it makes the teams that get the bye even stronger because now you're talking about bumping up that first round, first round, uh, first round of games a day. So they're going to have less rest between the final regular season game and that first round of the tournament. Am I like wrong? I, said,
0: I mean, no, you're not. I mean, it's like setting your alarm five minutes earlier, AP. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's just not not a big deal to me. To me, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm wrong.
2: Well, and here's the thing: we don't know, okay? Because the, the, this stems from the fact that the, the the Sunday game is of is of no importance for seeding purposes in the NCAA tournament. Um, and I, I think I think much of the tournament seeding is done before before Saturday, right? Way I mean, before. Like, the, way way the center, before. I mean, we just had an announcement last week of the top sixteen teams. Like, they're, they're you know bracketology. We're throwing this stuff out all year long. It's not like it used to be in terms of everybody crunching numbers and figuring this stuff out. So, I, you know, does, does could it mean somebody is a is a three instead of a four if they if they won, or if somebody's a, a seven instead of a six if they went on Sunday and you don't have that opportunity, or they don't look at that as much? Maybe. You know, but but I don't know, I don't know that anybody can say that they lost the NCAA tournament because of the seating. They did, they got a, a bad seating based on the fact they played a game on Sunday. Um, but you know that that said, I think most coaches would like to play it on Saturday because it gives you an extra day of rest. You know, going into the NCAA tournament and a travel standpoint, and everything else. So I think if you pulled the college coaches in the SEC, they would love to move it, not for seating purposes but for travel and rest and everything else. Because if you're in that game and you get home Sunday night and then you play on the West Coast on Thursday, you, you, you got a pretty quick turnaround to get out of Dodge. An extra day might be better for some people. So, you know, I think most coaches would like that uh, from that standpoint. The baseball get, tournament – go
0: ahead, Robin. I was just saying, get, it's like setting your alarm five minutes early. I mean, what you're talking about that, that, that affects two teams out of getting ready to be 16 in the league.
1: Brent, I don't know if you were going to say this, but the baseball tournament, you literally can't move it a day because you play on that Sunday. So if you move it up a day, you got teams playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. <laughs> like you, you can't do that. Um, you got to have it at least because you start on a Tuesday. You got to have at least one off day in there. Unless
3: you change that last weekend of the regular season to Thursday, Friday,
1: Saturday. Which some do. Yeah. I think Tennessee might have played on a Thursday last week. So yeah, yeah, you're on to something there. Maybe you make it league-wide. Um.
2: Here's the here's the problem with the, the SEC baseball tournament. One, you, you have weather issues every year. Every year. They rain, storm, something. They never play that game on or that tournament on time. There's delays every year. There has been since. It's, I mean, it's just the weather. It's the weather pattern. It's the way it is. Secondly, Eric, I don't think the SEC baseball coaches give two rats rear ends about the SEC baseball tournament. I agree. I think they would much rather rest arms. You know, hey, we lost them on day one or day two. Good. Let's get to the house and get a bullpen session and get our arms back ready to go and and get ready for regional play. I just don't think anybody sees the value in that across the board unless you're really on the bubble. And I I just, you know, I don't know how many teams have played their way into the regional field because of what they've done in the SEC tournament.
1: Like Tennessee was out of the picture when they were five and ten in conference. They got to the 14-win plateau, which is very much on the bubble to where a team like Tennessee would probably get in. You won that 15th conference game. You won your 16th conference game. It's like, psh, lose Tuesday. All right, let's go to the house. We're in no matter what. Let's rest. Let's let's get our pitching lined up. Losing Tuesday in Hoover last year, though it's frustrating for fans, though it's frustrating in the moment because you're a competitor, you don't want to lose, it's a blessing. That team went to Omaha, you know?
3: What you can't see is if you flip, flip this camera around, He's got the big board there. It's the Farmer's Almanac. he loves talking weather patterns. And you ever try to book around to golf with hubs? I mean, okay. I, you know, I mean, it, he'll be like, "Man, there's a ten percent chance of rain." AP. I just, you know, it's going we'll to rain. You know, half an inch at you know eleven thirty-seven. Can't play at twelve <laughs> thirteen. Hey, hey, I, I'm I'm bothered by the weather like you are right now by the fact that
2: you're you're about fifteen minutes away from being past your lunchtime. You know, and and things are getting off the ground. So Eric's got to get the last two questions in here so we can get to your lunch schedule. Hey,
3: listen, listen, listen. I I, I know you're going to try to fire me. You try to fire everybody. Just understand, (laughs) just understand, the only person that can make hirings and firings at VolQuest is Matt Ray. He's the only person that can get somebody fired. I've heard that with my own ears.
0: Well, and Eric Kane runs the the Mailbag Podcast
1: also. <laughs> Say it like you said it yesterday, Rob. <laughs> All right, this will be a fun one. Let, let, let's end on this one and just have some fun with it. Um, I miss Denarius Moore. Can you give us a top five ranking of position coaches over your time covering UT? Who really stands out over the last couple of decades? Maybe not one, two, three, four, five, but who's five or six names that just come to mind about assistant coaches that you've enjoyed working with who are really good here in Tennessee.
0: I'm going to still hover stunder because he's, he's still running through the role. The best assistant coach I've seen here is David Cutcliffe. I, yeah. I, mean, I don't think you would argue with that.
2: No. And, and, and listen, I mean, part of this, when you do these things is about the relationships you have with guys too. Yep. Right. And, and working with them and, and, and for day for me, for David, I mean, David was a guy who took a lot of time to talk, um, talk football you know i really got to know david extremely well the the year he took off um and we did we did the old volquist feature cutting it up with cut which was a weekly q a about you know things back before you're doing video breakdowns and stuff like that and i just learned a lot of football so selfishly i mean you know david's a guy who um i am you know i'm friends with still remain friends with and i will always appreciate you know what he did to help me, but also for what he did as a football coach. I mean, his attention to detail uh, was terrific. So, you know, I would put him up there. I think Justin Wilcox was a blast to cover. I mean, that's another guy who was very engaging, would talk a lot of football with you and would explain a lot of things. And, um, you know, he was the last one to leave the practice field because we were all standing around trying to figure out why he was doing this or doing that. So, I mean, he was a, he was a great guy to deal with as well. Coach Garner I've known for forever. I mean, I could go on. I mean, I've been around
3: way too long and seen way too many of them come and go. AP. Well, as far as pure just impact on a room, I would tell you Trooper Taylor. I mean, you know, even he flipped positions. I thought he he did a really good job of getting guys to buy in to to to, to development. Um, you know, I, you know I, I'm a I, I'm a big Jerry Mack guy. I, I think Jerry Mack just gets it. There's a reason I think that dude'll be a head coach somewhere sometime. Um, I think he'll do fantastic in the NFL, and uh, you know, he just again. It, he just he just gets people. Like he was never too high, never too low. If they fumbled, okay, next. If they ran an eighty yard touchdown, okay, next. Like, I mean it was, you know, I think he's got a lot of uh great qualities to him. And that's a that's a guy in the more recent time.
2: Well and I'll tell you a guy, another guy too, that when you first I you know, I wasn't sure like, was this stage too big for him or I'm not sure, you know, how it really fits or whatever. I mean Zach Azani's a, just a he, yep. he's a I mean, your initial reaction, to Zach, was okay. I mean, you know, is he an SEC guy? I mean, Zach out is a really good football coach and a really good dude. Sam Pittman, Rob, was here for a hot minute, but I mean, he was—I mean, he was—he was a great guy to do. I mean, there's been a lot of really good guys.
0: coming You through. weren't surprised when Sam Pittman left here and was, it you know, one of the best assistant coaches in the country in Georgia. Yeah. No, not not not, not, not remotely not surprised. Not a shock at all.
1: Good questions as always. Appreciate you guys for submitting these over here to the Quest podcast. Uh, we do the mailbag portion every Thursday, and uh, we do it thanks to our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. They've been local and trusted since 1999. If you have a need, uh, these spring storms coming up, a lot of wind, if you have any damage or just want some renovations, uh, garage, roofing, siding, windows, whatever the case may be, give them a call today at 865-524-5888. They'll give you a free estimate. You can visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com and they've been local, trusted since 1999. You can trust them with your project as well. What's the weather looking like? It's a
2: good day tomorrow to put out tomato plants, AP. The almanac says it's time to go, so
3: it's, it's got a little gardening work.
2: We,
0: I'll, let,
3: I'll let Craig and Sherry know. They're, we know, we know what. H- waiting.
0: A- Eric, we know what Hubbard and AP will be doing tomorrow.
1: <laughs> we won't be there, will I, we?
3: I'm going to hit golf balls. I had them yesterday. I'm going to hit them again today. I'm going to hit them tomorrow. <laughs>
1: I got lunch to get you to first, so let's get out of here. For awesome fries, friend hubs, Rob Lewis, I am Eric Kane. Thank you as always for joining us here on the Quest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on Quest.